You're now locked into Zone 32. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the Zone 32 podcast presented to you as always by NZI Properties. Follow us on Twitter at NZI Properties. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Grant with your boy here today. I'm Jake as always. Talk to the people, Grant. Hey, yo, who the pizza? What's up? Welcome back for another fun-filled playoff information. You already know what it is. Max can't be with us today. As I said earlier, he got eaten by a bear and he is yet to be digested. He'll be back, though. I believe in him. Anyway, we got a jam-packed show for y'all. We're talking the divisional round of the playoffs. But before we get into all that, a little bit of breaking news today. Urban Meyer is agreeing to be the new coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll see where he winds up in the college coaches to the NFL. Will he be Pete Carroll or that bum Nick Saban? It's too early <laughs> to tell. But anyway. Hey, I like the move, man. I like the move. Yeah. He he rebuilt a whole bunch of programs like Toledo and Florida and Ohio State. So let's find out. Maybe he'll well, be like Matt Rule. One thing, too, like with that is like a lot of people are like, oh, man, you know, the translation here and there. The the NFL game right now is so much like the college game because all these tic-tac penalties, it's an offensive scheme game, the way it's called, design, you know, everything is is catered towards high scoring, high octane offense. And I mean, Urban Meyer is like, that's what he does. That's the truth. It, you you make a great point. It really is. And he gets this guy named Trevor Lawrence. Well, you know, this guy named Trevor Lawrence. So I mean, not too shabby to go ahead and groom your fresh rookie of the number one pick. Yep, you ain't wrong. This really is the most opportune time for him to make a move into the NFL. So enough of that. We'll talk about the du- the boys in Duval in an episode later on in the offseason. But for now, we got some games to cover. So first yeah. of all, Saturday afternoon is the battle of an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object as the Rams travel to Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers, the number one seed in the NFC. Now, last week, I was surprised at how dominant the Rams' front seven was against Seattle. I shouldn't be, but I was nonetheless. So, I mean, that's neither here nor there. So, Grant, holla at me. Who wins this battle, offense or defense? Listen, I mean, it really depends. I mean, the the game's going to come down to, you know, who executes the most. I mean, it sounds cliche, um, but, you know, the Rams, they, they kind of – showed up man they they are that defense right now playing with a lot of confidence so like you know you got they talk everybody talks about Aaron Donald everybody talks about you know Jalen Ramsey you know who's going to match up with who you know the big thing is Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey so you know with that the you know it's going to be physical matchup I think Devontae Adams has the slight advantage just because of his just freakish ability to you know beat presses off the line his he's a route technician and you know he even has his own little kind of like you know how like it had his crossover every basketball player has a crossover but iverson has the iverson crossover like he does that with his routes he's got the Devonte routes where like he might take you know an in route and do a little tweak to it that he might you know manipulate a defender or a coverage and i just think he does that so well that he's head and shoulders above you know, anybody in the league, like I've mentioned before, he's slowly becoming my number one in the entire league. And I've been a D-hop guy 
Um, I have like different categories though, because I don't think you can necessarily say, but not to get sidetracked, but Tyreek Hill is my number one playmaker as a wide receiver in the NFL. And Devonta Adams is my number one wide receiver in the NFL. Um, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder ever since that uh, Jordan Love pick this year. So, you know, that really sparked something on him. You know, that was kind of a, all right, man, am I gone? Did I die? Like, you know, and, and and I think that he kind of took that personal this year and he had, you know, arguably his best season of his entire career. Um, golf's going to get the start. You know, he did okay last week, but he really didn't have to do too much because they ran the ball so well. Um, Packers defense isn't really much to write home about. So I could see Cam Akers having another big game. Um, it's going to be cold. You know, it's going to be a physical game. Um, you know, I think that honestly, after the game last week against Seattle, when they went in and just punched Seattle right in the face, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams didn't pull this one out. Um, you know, the the main pick is to go with Aaron Rodgers. You know, everybody's talking about they're a lock for the NFC for the for the Super Bowl, and you know, AFC is more wide open. And but I don't necessarily think so. I think that the NFC is is just as wide open. I mean, you saw Taylor Heineke almost knock off the Bucks. You know, on opening wild card weekend. So I mean, I'm really you know, who's going to, who can beat who. And, um, you know, I, I'm actually going to take the Rams this weekend as my upset. I like to do an upset every week. Um, I'm going to take the Rams as my upset this week. I think it's going to be a tight game, but I think it's kind of going to be a higher scoring game. So I'm going to go, uh, 31 30 Rams. Um, I think they kick a field goal at the end, uh, in Lambo, but you know, my X factor for the game is, you know, I'm probably going to have to say, you know, when I look at the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to stick with Cam Akers. You know, I want to see him build on that game last week. And I think if they go in and play the type of football that the Packers are, you know, ordinarily used to doing, because Aaron Jones has had a phenomenal year, which opens up a lot for the Packers passing game. Um, but the elements that are going to be going on, um, you know, I, I think that he could be, he could still continue his streak. You know, a rookie with a lot of confidence in a high moment. You know, I think that's something to, to write home about. But um, I'm going to take the Rams as my upset. You know, I could be wrong, but fuck it. <laughs> I love it. I love the ballsy pick. I'm not going to lie. I like the idea. I like where your head is at. And to be frank, it's ironic because a West Coast team who's used to California sunshine and not so much cold or humidity, to me, kind of has an advantage in this game going up to Lambeau because the Packers, as you said, they're – they're not all that physical of a team. We have Aaron Jones pounding the rock, and he's a very good running back. But, I mean, the show has been Rodgers with the play action, hitting Devontae Adams, who's always open. He's just like AMPM, too much good stuff at 7-Eleven, also open 24 hours a day. So, I mean, that's just one of those things. And Jalen Ramsey is arguably top one, top three, somewhere in between among the best corners in the league today. So, that's a heavyweight title fight, and I can't wait for that. They're going to be talking. They're going to be trying to get their hands on one another. So, you know, let's go. Let's get it. And that's the prime matchup. With Green Bay, defensively, they're kind of built to play more with the lead because their secondary is good. A little, uh, was it? They're not as spoken up as highly of as, like, Baltimore's or Buffalo's or the Chargers, but they're still good. Yeah. Jair Alexander's playing at a very high level. Yeah, they can be had. They can be had between the tackles for sure because they're soft against the run. But I mean, yeah. if they get a lead. You got the Smith brothers coming your way with Darius Smith, and then Preston Smith was formerly of that one team that with whose 
name has been redacted. <laughs> I mean, they can they can go hunt. Not to mention David Bakhtiari is out for the year, so they got a backup tackle in there trying to block. I didn't think about that. And their and their main weakness on defense is their is their interior defensive line, and I think that's a bad weakness to have. Like if you're going to have a weakness on your team, I feel like against a team that just ran for a hundred or what 180 yards against the Seahawks, I think a bad thing to have is a bad interior defensive line. That's the truth. That is the absolute truth. Because Cam can ha- Cam Akers can have himself a day, gift golf time instead of the play action passing game, and they can go from there. Now. That being said, I'm rolling with the home team. I'm rolling with the Green Bay Packers. He gave Aaron Rodgers a week off to rest up, prepare, and get his mind right. I'd have sex with Danica Patrick or wherever the hell he's dating at this point right now. And they're <laughs> going to go eat. They're going to handle their business at home. They're extre- they've been historically extremely tough to beat at Lambeau Field, no matter whether there's a crowd there or not. So, you know, I'm rolling with the home team in this case. I'm banking on them getting a lead. Darius Smith coming away with two or three sacks. And Jared Goff regressing back to the lower than mediocre Jared Goff that I'm used to. The X factor in this game to me, I'm rolling with the Smith brothers. Control the line of script, image, go hunt, and put him on, put Goff in his back. That easy money. You know what it is. But anywho, let's shoot on back to, let's go on, move forward. Darius is the one that got away. He is. Absolutely, he is. And to be honest, he, he might have been kind of misused in Baltimore. Because I mean, shoot, look at him now in in Green Bay. He's hunting. That man is hunting. He's playing like, sizzle's role in Green Bay. Exactly. They're using him as that dominant edge rusher. That's They'll kick him inside sometimes, but I mean, he's primarily winning his one on one matchup on the outside, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, all things considered, we're moving on to, in my opinion, and I'm sure most of the listeners out there. The best game of the week as your Baltimore Ravens and mine are traveling up to Orchard Park to take on the Buffalo Bills, a team who has finally won their first playoff game in 25 years. Offense has been explosive, to be honest, and I'm going to shine in my own opinion on this before I kick you, Grant. Their offense has been Shoot extremely it. explosive. This is the perfect like test to see where you're at and how if you can handle an explosive no-huddle passing attack that can go four wide on you before you play Kansas City. I mean, they don't have a Travis Kelsey on their team, but I mean, Stephon Diggs is playing like a top five receiver. Cole Beasley got an all pro vote, arguably the best slot receiver in the game today. John Brown ain't no slouch either. He's a route technician. And Gabriel Davis as your wide receiver four, that's filthy. He's a nice youngster with a whole lot of upside. And Josh Allen has been wheeling and dealing with a line that's been protecting him and having a number one wide out. Uh, to throw to he's been playing like a borderline mvp candidate if it wasn't for rogers and maybe patrick mahomes we could be talking about josh allen as being the mvp of the league this year so all things considered who am i picking i ain't gonna lie to you i'm a homer this is the ravens podcast that dabbles with all the with all 32 teams in the nfl but it's the Ravens center podcast so i'm rolling with the visitors in baltimore why because I don't believe Buffalo can handle them on the ground consistently. They'll have to put every, every like 10, 11 players on defense and commit them to stopping the run. And if you don't have any kind of protectless, any kind of coverage over the top, and Hollywood Brown gets loose, that's a problem. Mind you, they have Trey White, who is also one of the top one to five best corners in the league today. So they're sitting pretty at that point. But even so, 
they had a problem last week dealing with Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, and the tight ends of the Colts with a weak passing attack and an offense where you know what they're going to do. They want to pound the rock, maybe work a play action, but mostly run the ball with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, and they grinded him on the ground to the tune of 164 yards. Now you bring in the number one rushing attack in the NFL. And mind you, the Bills' defense has been good. They they weren't good early in the year, but after the bye week, after that loss they had against the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, they've only given up an average about 15 and a half points a game. They weren't playing a lot of teams with winning records, but you know, I can't, I'm not even going to disparage them on that because that's kind of how Baltimore got into the playoffs. But they, they, and not to mention, you only play the teams that are on your schedule. So, I mean, can't knock them for that. But they came out since Matt Milano got back, they played much better. But for me, I'm taking the Ravens, I'm taking it 23 to 20. My X factor of the game. Shoot, let me think about that, Mark. And give me, give me the Mandrews real quick. Mandrews, boy, he needs the that way. The way Doyle was getting on him because he finished the game seven for seventy with a touch against the Bills last week. He, Mo Ali Cox had a touchdown against them last week. So all things considered, if you have trouble defending tight ends in the middle of the field against this offense, you're in for it. Now, obviously, that could be wrong, but. I think this is the best game of the week. I think it's going to be the closest game of the week, but I'm rolling with the road team. What say you, Mr. Grant? I like it, bro. I like it cuz I'm I'm honestly I'm I'm on board, you know. No no not being a home, but I think that the Bills, you know, the Bills are a very good football team right now, but at the same time I don't think that they're quite the team that people think they are, and I think that the Ravens are slowly starting to become the team that everybody thought they were going to be. And they're starting to get that confidence. They're getting that mojo. People are finally healthy, you know, knock on wood. Um, and I think they're really starting to gel this thing together with their balance. They're finding that they, you know, they went through the phases of playing from behind, you know, even panicking down a touchdown and, and, and throwing 50 times in the game, you know, realizing that's not who they are. And really getting back to the running game, you know, that, you know, spa- you know spread the field, run that zone. Um, and, you know, just pound the rock. I mean, would you rather have an incompletion on first and 10, or would you rather have a, t- a two-yard run and set up second and eight? I mean, second and eight's a whole lot better than second and 10. Then you can get another three yards instead of – you know, it's you got a chunk. People get too enamored with, you know, like Madden, you know, man, run and shoot, you know, never punt. Like, you know, nah, man, like at the end of the game, football's a chess. It's a chess match. You know, you're trying to – strategize and project what your opponent's going to do so you don't want to be predictable and you know if you can control an aspect of the game which time is a huge aspect of the game you control the time of possession then you cause problems and the bills defense you know they got gashed last week and that was actually one of my things that i pointed on was that they were ranked fourth against the run during the regular season and i was like you know it, it might be a tougher game for the colts man they straight up just dog walked that defense. I mean, Jonathan Taylor went off. So what does that tell me? It tells me that their ends aren't that powerful enough to be able to stop what we do on the outside zone schemes mixed with, you know, the insides with the traps and the counters and stuff. So like, you know, all the misdirectional things that we do in our zone blocking scheme where we let, you know, the linemen, you know, get to that next level. And our and our linemen are really starting to gel too. You know, we, we pointed on that last week. And the more that they start to kind of play together, I think we really are seeing now what the offensive line is and what it's going to be throughout the rest of the way. Um, there's that revolving door right tackle still. 
Um, I think it really just depends on game plan. And what's cool is, you know, people are like, oh, you know, that might be a negative. But to me, that's a positive that you have two guys that you can trust in a playoff scenario that based off of your game plan and your scheme versus that specific opponent, you know, which one is going to be better. And, and then, you know, if you need to make adjustments, one can come off the bench and vice versa. And they can, you know, it's it's not like you're you're missing anything if you change your concept and you change that personnel. So, you know, they've both done really well with that this year. And, you know, kudos to the coaching staff, um, you know, for kind of, you know, having that flexibility. And, you know, that has really turned a lot. And, you know, like I said, the offense is gelling together. Lamar's coming around. Lamar's just – he's unbelievable, man. That dude is, is a freak of nature. He's so talented. He's so, like, humble. You know, seeing him mad was kind of cool, though, because, like, you don't see him mad. Like, he's not, like, dry Joe Flacco, but he's got a personality to where he's, like, um, you know, he's lovable. He's, like, that guy that people just gravitate to. And you can tell that just in his interviews and everything. So the fact that he's, you know, crushing those demons that, you know, oh, he can't win in the playoffs, he can't come from behind, you know, blah, blah, blah. He can't throw his team back in the game. You know what's cool about him is he doesn't have to throw his team back in the game. And that's what kills me on these little Twitter battles that I see all the time with opposing fans that obviously don't understand the game of football. Your object is to win the game. If you've got a quarterback that can run for 140 yards, who gives a shit if he throws for 20 yards or if he throws for 200? That man had 500 total yards of offense last year against the Titans, and we got our asses kicked. So it doesn't matter. Ben Roethlisberger threw for 505 yards, four touchdowns, but had four picks, and they lost. So people get so enamored with these stats, and it gets annoying because it's like when you look into the intricacies of the game, there's nothing to do with it. Give me the guy that's going to run for a buck 40 and then throw for almost 200. And I don't care if he doesn't throw a touchdown pass, but he rushed one. And he, and what he does on the ground sets up the other aspects of the game with, you know, Gus, Gus die, or, you know, I call him Gus dives, you know, just get that man going North and South. Um, but, you know, I, I think that we match up really well. Now, you know, kudos to the Bills. They have had a phenomenal year, and it's awesome for their fans. They got that first playoff win, get to host a divisional game. Um, you know, it's a long drought. I couldn't imagine. I get, you know, annoyed if we miss the playoffs for a year, you know, and we're spoiled. We're spoiled fans. And, you know, the Bills do t- scare me. The only thing that I'm not worried about is, is obviously their run game. They're not going to run, especially Zach Moss is out now. Um, I think they were signing Devontae Freeman or looking at him or something. They brought him in-house. Um, but I don't think that – we don't have to worry about that game, you know, that aspect of their game. The only thing that we have to worry about on the running side of it is going to be Josh Allen. Um, and I think this is a good warm-up game. You know, let's say we win and let's say Kansas City wins. The things that kill us with Patrick Mahomes are those third-down broken plays that he gets out of the pocket and we were in man coverage, so everybody's got their backs turned and he scrambles for 9, 10, 12, 14 yards and gets a first down and we can't get off the field in third down. Those types of things kill us. And Josh Allen has a similar aspect to that game, big, strong arm, can move out of the pocket, can run, hard to tackle, you know, smart on those third downs. Um, And and I think if we can figure that out this game, that's going to set us up for the next game. And I do believe in that. When you play opponents and you make your in-game adjustments, you get that win. You know, you might have gotten, you know, kicked around a little bit at one point in that game, but you figured out what it took. So then that next game, you play that same type of opponent with, you know, the same skill sets. And then at that point, you already have your adjustments made. And then what they can do is if they throw any adjustments at you, it's going to revert back to your original game plan. So, you know, a lot of that's going to kind of go into it. And 
Um, Stephon Diggs is awesome, man. I God, I wish he was a Raven. Um, you know, it would have been nice to keep him home. And I know every Ravens fan that I know on the face of the earth, you know, was pounding the table for him pretty much since the first round um, of that draft. But, you know, Cole Beasley's had a great year. I think he's going to be the one that we have to worry about the most. Um, you know, who's going to match up to him? Because, I mean, are they going to lock Marlowe on him and put him in the slot, let them kind of shadow, let him shadow him? Um, are they going to just let Peters play soft coverage on the backside on him? You know, what, what are they going to do? Are they going to, you know, Anthony Averett, you know, is he going to be the guy that's going to kind of watch Beasley and shadow Beasley, which might not be a ma- bad matchup because Anthony Averett's super athletic. You know, he's gets in and out of his breaks really well. Uh, f- good fluid hits. I mean, he, he makes mistakes, but he makes mistakes because it's not, it's not a lack of skill. It's a, it's, he, he might've gambled, you know, he, he takes those chances, but that was, that's what makes him good. And the coaches love him. And, you know, I'm going to trust, you know, they talk about him all the time. So, you know, I'm going to trust what they say too. So, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing that matchup. Um, but I think the Ravens win. Um, I've got them actually 24, 21. So we're pretty close. Um, and my X factor for the game is going to be Patrick queen. Um, just for the fact that we're not going to have to really put, you know, eight, nine in the box at any point in that game. So that's going to make, you know, if we stay in like a zone coverage, you know, that he's going to be the guy that's going to have to watch his big third down scrambles. He's going to be, have to, you know, he's going to have to play sideline to sideline, you know, fill those gaps when they run those draws. Um, so I think that he's going to be the guy this game. Um, I do think he is going to get a turnover. I'm not sure if it's going to be a fumble or an interception. Uh, but I think this is a game where he's uh, he he makes a big play. So I'm taking our boys to go on the road and um, continue this ride, man. I'm with it. I love it. And I'm not going to lie. Talking about Patrick Queen, thinking about the front seven, I'm going to throw a bonus X factor out there. The entire defensive front seven. Because in my estimation, you want to be ready for Mahomes next week. If you win, you got to prove yourself by getting Josh Allen on his back. Last year, they sacked him, I want to say, six or seven times in Buffalo. That being said, this ain't the same Buffalo offense. Josh Allen's become better against them. become better. Like, the offensive line protects them much better than they did against So, all things considered, got to get there. Get to the head. The body will follow. Diggs is huge. I think I really want to see how Josh Allen reacts to him being taken away, if he gets taken away. So, I mean, that's the key to me. Get Josh Allen on his back. Hit him, force him into erratic throws. That's, that's the key. He's been excellent this year, but I haven't really seen him under duress too much there. So, anywho, let's move forward to Sunday morning or afternoon, actually, for y'all on the East Coast as the Cleveland Browns, who shocked the hell out of me by smacking the punch of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the mouth with that win going on to Kansas City to play the reigning, defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. So, Grant, I'm a, I'm actually going to start with you. What are your thoughts on the game? Holla. I think it's going to be a lot better game than people are kind of making it out to be. You know, some people are giving the Browns, you know, myself included. Um, I think that they're a team that can obviously score points. You know, Steelers have a better defense than Kansas City does. So, you know, they put up, what, 42 on the Steelers? and 48 you know, on the Steelers. 48, yeah, 48, the Discord thing, yeah, 48. And, um, you know, that's what's going to happen against the Chiefs. I mean, outside of Chris Jones and Tyron Matha, you know, they really don't have much. They don't really defend the run well. And the Browns, you know, 
Baker's had a better year this year because the run game is even better than it was last year, believe it or not. And, you know, we talk about Nick Chubb all the time on here, you know, and I think that he could have an absolute monster game. I'm talking like I would not be surprised if he hit 200 this game on the ground. And that's not, you know, being stupid or just, you know, a knock on the Chiefs or anything. Well, I guess it is kind of a knock on the Chiefs, but they, you know, he, he's that good and they're that bad on defense. And that's going to open things up for the passing game, too. Um, I just think that the Chiefs offense is just too high power, man. I mean, they're fun to watch, you know, as much as I can't stand, you know, how good they are and the breaks and shit that they get. They're very good. And, you know, Mahomes, he's Mahomes. You know, he's going to throw that thing. Um, like I mentioned before, you know, Tyreek Hill, he probably, he, in my opinion, he's the number one playmaking wide receiver in the NFL um, as soon as he touches the ball, he, he could be a house call anytime, you know, and how do you play him over the top? You know, you have to sacrifice so much in the middle to even defend him over the top. So, I mean, you, you got to basically pick your poison and then what are you going to do? Leave the wide open, you know, the middle wide open for, you know, Travis Kelsey, who basically had wide receiver numbers this year, um, elite wide receiver numbers this year. And then you got guys like Sammy Watkins is back, you know, he's, a formidable player on the offense, you know, McCall Hardman, you know, he's used sparingly, um, you know, DeMarcus, uh, what's his face, DeMarcus Robinson, um, Holmes loves him. I mean, when he, uh, he, he hits them on those, like those post corners, you know, he likes them on those long drags um, and the cross, deep crosses. So, I mean, you know, they have so many weapons. Um, they haven't been really running the ball very well, um, but they can, if they need to. And, I just think they're too much of an offense. I mean, this could be an insane scoring game, to be honest with you. Um, would not be shocked at all if the Browns won. And, you know, honestly, I'm kind of rooting for him to win just because, man, like I always like – I always root for the underdog. And, um, you know, I like st- seeing like stories like that. So, you know, regardless of whether they're in our division, we always joke around, we mess with them, but they're like our little brother, you know. And I just think that um, – I think the Chiefs are just too powerful for them all in all. They're – out, they're better coached, and Savansky's a great coach so far. And but Andy Reid's Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid's tree is more experienced than you know Stefanski. But I'm taking KC over the Browns. Um, I'm t- I'm taking them 45-42. Um, and my X factor uh, is going to be the X factor, and that's going to be Tyreek Hill because I want to see if they can stop him from having one of those insane 200. 250 yard receiving games you know like we've seen him have before so you know i'm interested to see how this game plays out what the browns game plan is going to be like i said i'm going to be rooting for the browns but i'm taking kc um and i'm gonna i want to see tyree kill just kind of go off man he's fun to watch i got you i got you that's a completely understandable pick i mean hell the champs are the champs patrick mahomes is the best at what he does i'll finally admit that i was on another hype train this all season and after watching what I watched last week, I'm off that hype trip. Russell Wilson ain't the best quarterback in the NFL. Hell, he's not even top, maybe not even top five. So hell with that. Mahomes is the real deal. He is the man, the, the legend. Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, yeah, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have developed him into maybe the greatest talent we've ever seen at the position. He could go down as the goat. It's very possible, mind you. It's hard to compare eras with passing with the passing game now and back in the eighties because DBs could play physical with you back in the day. Now you cough on them, you give them COVID, then you get flagged for PI and probably ejected from the game. Let's keep it real on that. But anyway, 
I'm torn on this. I like. I think this is a sneaky game, and I think the Browns could very well get this done because exactly right. The running game is real, and they're in, they have an opportunistic defense. They're not great. They're not going to shut anybody down, like not at all. But when they get into the red zone, if I remember right, they're if if they're not the top, they're one of the top teams in taking the ball away and holding teams to field goals. So all things considered, Cleveland has a very real, very realistic shot at winning this game. I'm not going to pick against the champs though. Andy Reid, with two weeks to prepare for an opponent, is unparalleled. He's unbelievable at getting his team ready schematically, with play calls, with what he wants them to do against an opposing defense. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm taking Kansas City 42-20. to The X factor in this game, I'm going to the Cleveland side of things. I'm going with good old Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt because they could be the difference in this game. If they're able to have a two to 300-yard performance between the two of them on the ground, Things could be very different, be drastically different. It could wind up being like the Raiders and earlier in the year where Josh Jacobs is eating them on the ground. There are cars hitting them over the top of the play action, action, and the deep Raiders defense gets the takeaway. So, I mean, cannot count Cleveland out because Miles Garrett is a problem. They'll be in Mahomes' grill for most of the day, and they have a knack for taking away the ball. Plus, they're getting Denzel Ward back. Plus, the fans keep coming back. Plus, Bill Callahan, one of the more respected offensive line coaches in the NFL, will be back this week. So, you can't count the Cleveland Browns out. I'm just not ready to pick against the champs yet. So, that's my thoughts on the situation. And now let's move on to the final game of the week. Maybe it's the best. Maybe we're saying the best for last. Maybe we're not. But either way, it's a three-peat. Normally, it would be a rubber match. But given how the Saints have dominated the first two performances, this rubber match is more like Rampage Jackson and Vanderlei Silva when they fought in the USC. So this is this is the Tam, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to the Dome to play the New Orleans Saints. And I'm gonna start with me in this game because I'm kind of I'm torn. I'm not looking to lie because the Saints have dominated. They dominated the Bucks both times they played this year. Brady looked like a shell of himself. He looked like he was ready to go to a convalescent hall after playing that second, after playing that defense. I mean, he had, what, three picks again when they had him at home against against New Orleans? And before then, week one, they had him, what, he had two, including a pick six to Janoris Jenkins? I mean, the Saints know exactly how to play against that B.A. offense. But you know what? I'm picking the Bucks. Why am I picking the Bucks? Because those three, the, that offense seems to have found its groove. They're humming, they're clicking on all cylinders, and those three receivers are almost impossible to guard one-on-one because you have arguably three number one receivers. You have Antonio Brown, who's looking closer to his old self again. You have Chris Godwin, who he looked like trash last week, but overall, he's had a good season when he's been out there, and he's a very good receiver. And then Mike Evans, who's a beast, the big play dude, the red zone threat. Cameron Brate hasn't been bad at tight end, but you still got Gronk. And you got, actually, I haven't seen what the hell's been up with Rojo. So I'm not sure if he's hurt. I don't know if he has COVID or whichever. I could, either way, you still got Fournette in the backfield. Very solid. But the teams are good at, running, at defending the run. I mean, the, defending those three, three receivers and those tight ends and Brady playing at the level that he's playing at and them giving him the protection he's been getting, I'm going with the Bucks. Not to mention, at some point, at least these past few years, Breeze's arm has petered out. And with the Bucks having as great a run defense as they do, 
Maybe Kamara and Latavius Murray get bottled up in this game. Plus, they should be getting Devin White back because he had COVID last week. So he and Levante David together. That's a problem. That is a very serious problem. So let me get Tampa, let me get Tampa Bay 24-17. My X factor of this game, give me Shaq Barrett. Because the more often Breeze is on his back, the better in this in, in this regard. Because he doesn't like getting hit. He's a stationary quarterback. He's a short one, obviously. So he likes to peek over the top when he's trying to go long. So he doesn't really have the arm to go long anymore. So if he has to sit there with any kind of time to throw, with that front coming after him, that's a problem. But anyway, Grant, holla at me. Why am I wrong? I am going with the Saints. Um, this game is like feels like picking between your favorite grandparents. Um, like all the jokes about it being on the History Channel are hilarious because it's <laughs> it's like, dang man, whose tennis balls are cooler on the end of their walker? You know, which just... geriatric fuck are you gonna roll with this week? <laughs> yeah, Gatorade bottle full of prune juice. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a really good game. Probably the hardest game for me to pick this week. Um, just because it could swing either way so easily. Um, both high powered offenses, both are going to be in a dome turf, whole different monster. Um, well, the indoor and I, I just, I don't know. I just have a feeling about the Buccaneers just kind of crapping out. I mean, they really didn't play good football last week. They Easily could have won that game or lost that game against the uh, the Washington football team. So, I mean, you know, you look at that game and, I mean, Washington football team was only a couple of plays away, you know. So, you know, now you're playing a significantly better team, quote unquote, home field advantage. Um, but I don't know, man. I think that I think the Saints have a little swagger to them right now. Granted, they played the Bears on Nickelodeon, but. I think that that was kind of a, a win that they needed to kind of get themselves like kind of sometimes those types of wins, the games that you're supposed to win and, and you know, it happens. It's, it's a playoff win. So it means a little bit more than what a regular season win would mean. But I think it does give you a little sense of motivation in an aspect that I mean, I think I think it could carry over to the to the next round. Um, I'm taking, you know, them, but I'm interested on, you know, we all we all want to see the Mike Evans versus Lattimore matchup like it's straight. I'm I'm ready for it to be like uh, Andre Johnson and Cortland Finnegan. Like fuck everything, just start swinging. Like <laughs> go to blows. Like, um, but you know I, I, that's going to be a solid matchup to watch. AB's been on fire, man. AB's been you know seemed like the AB of old. You know he's really getting his confidence back. You know we talked about it a little bit the other day, and um, I think he you know he could cause some issues in that Saints secondary. Um, whether Tom can get the ball, you know, I feel like at times this year, Tom Brady's had, you know, his arm looked good, you know, not of course, like it used to be, but his arm looked good. Um, and then there's other times where it's like, man, what was that? Like, you know, and, and, and it depends on which side of that we're going to get. Um, I just kind of like the Saints defense a little bit more. Don't ask me why, because I think those linebackers and the Buccaneers defense are absolutely, absolutely savages. Um, they're going to give Alvin Kamara problems. Uh, but with that being said, Alvin Kamara is a problem. So he's actually my X factor, the AK-47, just because you can use him in so many facets of the game. And he's so well equipped with so many skill sets. And he's a completely different player when Breeze is under center, whether he's the Breeze of old or not. Um, he, I mean, when Taysom Hill was under center, he was basically a non-factor in the offense. Now that Breeze is back, you know, he's got that. And um, and this could be a game where 
he could control a lot of the game, you know, whether it's in the running game or the passing game. So he's dangerous enough. Michael Thomas is back. You know, he got his touchdown under his belt. Um, that's going to open up a lot more things for the offense with, you know, both of those guys kind of playing at the level that, you know, we all are expecting them to play at. I think that's going to be too many problems for the Bucks. If Taylor Heineke can march up and down the field on that defense, um, you know, what What do we think? Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Manuel Sanders, Jared Cook. Like, it's it's going to be a game where it's going to come down to to a lot of execution for the Bucks. I think they're going to have to play more sound football than the Saints to win. But, I mean, it, it really could go either way. But I'm taking the Saints 28-27. And my X factor is the AK-47. Excuse me, AK-41. I dig it. I respect the pick. And to your point, that's AK-47. I'm an AK-41. AK-47. We're talking Andre Karolinko at that point. Right, oh, right, right. That's what I was thinking, too. But, no, um, to your point about the Saints' defense, they've been good this year. Not that the front has played solid, but the back end is much better than what the Bucks went against last week. You got Lattimore. Janoris Jenkins is inconsistent, but he could, he has his games where he can play pretty well, and he's had good the Bucks. And you got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who seems to get punched in the face every other game. So, I mean, we'll see what happens this week against the ever-volatile Antonio Brown. Their safeties are good, even though Malcolm Jenkins is old. He's still playing at a good level. Marcus Williams is a nice player as well. He had that bad moment with the Minneapolis miracle where he missed the tackle on Stephon Diggs. But overall, Raheem Morris was worse. Like he exactly. He didn't he didn't fall off the face of the earth the way Raheem Moore did after he got lost in the lights at Well, that was Marcus Williams' rookie year. And then it it completely negated the fact that the dude had an incredible rookie year. Exactly. That's the truth. But to that point, and here's where I'm gonna like my back back with you as far as their issues to Taylor Heineke. On one hand, you have very limited film on a mobile quarterback who you can't really prepare for all that much because most of your film is on Dwayne Haskins or Kyle Allen or Alex Smith. So you're sitting there trying to scour through whatever you can find of Taylor Heineke. Haven't even go back to Carolina when he was there. So, I mean, getting that kind of game plan was difficult. But, and not to mention, Drew Brees is not a runner. He's a stationary quarterback. And if he's sitting there back, sitting back in the pocket with JPP and Shaq Barrett coming to town, I mean, they're going up against two, like, arguably the elite tackle tandem in the NFL with Teron Armstead and Ryan Ranchick. But if they can get back there, he's, he's, he's a problem. Man, those are some big-ass tackles, too. They are. They are some grown-ass men who, who can eat. Two dancing bears on the outside. <laughs> right. Anywho. That's going to do it for this episode of the Zone 32 podcast. We'll be back to recap the divisional round. Hopefully it's a win for the boys in purple and not those those damn Bills who were named out after Buffalo Bills. Cody killed all the Buffaloes, so the ironic mascot of the Buffalo on the side of their helmet is just wrong. Anyway, that's neither here nor there, and that's me ranting. So you know how I'm going to end it? Grant Jake. Zone 32. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties.